It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 It is currently Tuesday, October 12th at 4.31 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm your host, John Sock, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, the best in the business, Chaz Jurgens. Chaz, how are you doing today? You know who it is. It's a it's another beautiful day in Montreal. The weather's turned back around from what I thought it was going to be winter at the beginning of September. So, you know, we like to enjoy these sunny days and get out here. The NBA season's getting even closer. Everything, baseball playoffs are happening. You know, I, I know we don't talk baseball out here, but I stayed up all night watching a West Coast baseball game that was one nothing yesterday. So wow. your boy is that's, fully that's committed why at we, this point. That's why we don't talk baseball. Just so you know, <laughs> if you ever wonder why we don't talk baseball, that's why. I'm, I get frustrated enough having to watch these Monday night football games that go until like 12, 10 at night. Like if there's yeah, that no was a absolute classic there too, that though. That was but, amazing, uh, by the way. Lamar Jackson, one of a kind. Sheesh. Before we get too far into this, shout out to to the greatest and the the host with the most, John Sokachewski. You know what I'm saying? Happy belated birthday. Oh, we want to make you. sure we get it out there because we recorded on my birthday and, you know, John got to celebrate, party a little bit back in the city, so... You know, we had to to make sure to shout him out. And it was my sister's birthday the other day. So happy belated birthday to her, too. I meant to text you to wish your sister a happy birthday. I totally forgot about that. I actually oh, knew that. And I actually meant to. And I actually forgot. I'm very sorry. <laughs> but thank Come you for on. the birthday shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing I liked, would have liked to do more on my birthday than talk some ball. But uh, it was Saturday. We don't record on, we don't record on Shabbos. Mm-hmm. Um, today... Nice little Tuesday. We're back recording. Today's episode, we're going to be doing our Western Conference predictions. It'll be just like the Eastern Conference ones we did last week. We're going to go tier by tier, and then we're going to read our playoff play-in, our playoff play-in and other teams. I don't know what to call them, other. I didn't want to say, like, anything too rude, but non-playoff, non, non-postseason teams. Lottery participants? Lottery <laughs> participants. Guaranteed lottery participants. I like that. Uh. And just like the East, we're going to start with our playoff locks. Mm. And unlike the East, there is no tier one team that's just a mile ahead of everybody and locked to make the playoffs and locked to do this and locked to do that. And that's why I really like the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. It's so ripe with competition. I don't know why people have tried to say that the East is better right now. I just don't believe that. Yes, there's some injuries in the West, but I, I still think that the probably second, third probably fourth at least like top i'd say the second through fourth most likely playoff playoff champions nba champions are in the west right now yeah so I think that pretty much qualifies as being um the be- as being the better conference i mean i i haven't even thought about what happens after fourth i could sit there maybe i'll do a power ranking at some point but i i'd say at least second to fourth most likely are all in the west mm-hmm I, you could probably even go a little bit further than than just fourth. But yeah, the Western Conference is shaping up to be a, an absolute bloodbath this season because there are a few injuries that are going to make some of the better teams maybe start a little slower or have a couple more games that they lose just because they don't have the depth that they're used to in their superstars. But there's also a lot of, a lot of young teams with some young talent that are going to be looking to make some pushes this season. So it's going to be, I think, a whole lot of competition. This could be one of those years where you see like, four teams all tied or within one game going into the last two, three games of the season. Like, I'm so excited to see this Western conference. Just how many, you know, right now in Vegas, like I think there's only two teams that have been over under above 50 and it's because of just how much competition there is right now. Yeah. And all that competition leads me to my first big point. I don't think there's any true playoff locks. 
Mm. There's no team I that I that if there's no team that if you told me right now they won't be a top six seed, I would be surprised. None. Uh, no, I, I have one that I would say. I, I one, and it, it is your Los Angeles Lakers. But again, it, it does always come back to health. But I think if if everyone stays in where they are, I feel like this Lakers team is definitely destined for the playoffs. I you you think the Lakers are? I mean, I think they're destined to make the playoffs, as in like top eight. Oh, I think I, they're definitely top six. I, I, you're a, I, you're more confident than me, and I'm usually the <laughs> the Lakers optimist. I mean, if you talk, see, how I talk about the Titans. You know, you'd assume that I'd be calling the Lakers already the NBA championship champion to just cancel the season. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't believe that you're making me have to be the pessimist on the Lakers. That's not fair. <laughs> Look, I mean, uh, you don't have to. I think this Lakers squad is just they're built for at least regular season success. The playoffs is a whole different animal, but I think if you look at the way that they're built to to win and LeBron James led teams just never seem to struggle to me. And you have Anthony Davis, who's in a year where so much, so much has been talked about him and what he can provide or how he can and can impact the game. I think he wants to come out and prove a lot to a lot of people about just how dominant he can be in this league. And Russell Westbrook back home in LA, I think he's excited to just get out there and go crazy from the Staples center. So a lot of guys on minimum deals or, or smaller contracts who want to prove themselves too. I think it's a great recipe for just a very competitive, hard-nosed team that's going to win a lot of games. Yeah. I mean, I see that side too, but I also see the side of like, I, I, I look at, I look around, they have incredible depth. I think they have probably the best offensive talent. Um, not, I'd say throughout their depth, they have the most offensive talent in the league. Obviously, no team mm. has a higher offensive ceiling than the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie, maybe, uh, Harden, yeah. and Kevin Durant. <laughs> we'll have to talk Kyrie probably on Friday. Yeah. But with all those guys, there's no team with a better offensive ceiling, but there's no team that just has more players that can get a bucket, that can hit a shot, that can do what you want on the offensive side of the ball than this LA Lakers roster. Mm-hmm. My issue is I'm a little worried about the defense. But Frank Vogel has turned literally everybody he's ever coached in, in L.A. into a respectable, respectable defender, including, including Montrez Harrell and Kyle Kuzma. They got two of the best young players in the league, three top 20 players. I'm just really worried about what this defense can be. Mm-hmm. I think especially with Horton Tucker and now Trevor Ariza, both of them going to be missing some time. They this team needs more uh, defenders on the wing position. I think they're gonna be relying a little too much on LeBron. I I imagine there's a lot of people talking about maybe the Lakers are gonna go big again. I don't know. I'm a little scared for that, but I do think they can succeed if they're big. But the offensive fit is also something that I'm a little worried about. Mm. There's a ton of players on this team that I don't know how they're gonna fit together necessarily. Are they going to, is the Lakers curse going to hit them? Like even Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore were garbage shooters during their last time on the Lakers. And then they became good shooters and now they're back. Are they still going to be good? Are they going to be good shooters again? Mm. Will Trevor Ariza be back and able to shoot? Will Taylor Horton Tucker figure out how to shoot? Is everyone going to forget how to score? Uh, I think the Malik Monk hype has gotten a little out of control at this point. Uh, There are so many ways that this can go right. And this team could win 60 games and I wouldn't Mm -hmm. even be shocked. But there's also so many ways that this could just go wrong and this team winds up being a seven or eight seed again. And I'd feel a lot less, I'd feel a lot more confident if I didn't just watch this previous season happen, but I did. So I'm a little, I have a little bit of pause right there. 
And and I understand where you, where you see the the things that go wrong. I'm not going to come out and say that this Lakers team is a perfectly oiled machine built for success, guaranteed championship. There's no team that should be able to stop them. But I do think that a lot of the the issues you're highlighting are things that can be spelled by their superstars. And I think in a, a superstar driven league like the NBA, that's something that this Lakers team is going to obviously rely on. And any LeBron James team, like I'm not actually that worried about what they're going to get on offense. I think no matter what, if you have LeBron James and Russell Westbrook, you will get enough good looks at the basket, whether it be in transition or created open shots that people are going to eventually hit shots or people are going to have to play to the point where they are going to just get in fast breaks so often that you won't be able to slow them down. And on the defensive side of the ball, I do think that's where the Anthony Davis factor is going to have to be so much bigger. Cause I think he's going to be in that defensive player of the year running and needs to be there for the Lakers this season. Cause he'll have to do so much for them, but he can and should be able to, he's, you know, he's in the prime of his career right now, going into age 28 season with LeBron, who's going to hopefully maybe take a little bit of a step back not in his production, but just in the way that he plays so that he could be fully ready to go for the playoffs. And you have Westbrook and AD to just carry you through the regular season. I'm really not that worried about how they produce offensively. I do think that the defense is going to be a question mark, but you got guys all over the floor who could do things and they still have an extra roster spot to find someone if they need them. So I do think that this Lakers team is still poised for a playoff lock. I'd be shocked personally to see them below succeed. They're my third most likely team to make mm. the playoffs I, I i made a tier of the three teams that i considered like that i'd be i would be surprised but not shocked if they wind up outside of the top six and then i have another tier of teams that i imagine will be in the playoffs i wouldn't be shocked if they're a top 16 but i also would not be shocked if they're just a top 10 team okay but that i would also be a little surprised if they don't make the playoffs but there's there's nine of those teams so one of them will surprise me all right so you got the lakers at three then who's your most likely team um, this one probably won't surprise you. <laughs> the team that I consider the most likely to make the playoffs is the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. I know everyone's worried about, uh, oh, Jamal Murray, this Jamal Murray, that they went 16 and six without him. They went 16 and six. They won the game. He was, he got injured in also, it would have been 17 and six. They played without him for eight games before and won all eight of them. Mm-hmm. Their, their record without Jamal Murray was more than fine. And that means... Yeah. Once Jamal Murray went down, they also had Will Barton go down. P.J. Dozier went down. I think Monte Morris missed a few games. They wound up mm-hmm. starting a backcourt at one point of Faku Campazzo and Austin Rivers, who they picked up mid-season. Marcus Howard was getting significant minutes on this team. He is now on a two-way for them. I, I just think this Denver team, if they were able to not only overcome, but succeed at such a high level last season without Jamal Murray in the regular season... I don't see why they won't be able to do it this year where now Michael Porter Jr. spent a whole offseason working on his game because he's not even an injury because he's healthy. He's yeah. I don't want to say he's not an injury risk, but he has yet to be injured in his NBA career, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Bones Highland is looking awesome. Apparently him and Jokic have not lost a single game of pickup together, which I love to hear. Um, Faku is still a good guard. I don't know where this narrative that he's not good show- came from. You love Will Barton back, Aaron Gordon back. They brought in Jeff Green, who I like a lot more than Paul Millsap, and I liked Paul Millsap more than he got credit for. Mm. I, I they got a full training camp and preseason to acclimate to not having Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. Other guys will be given a chance to learn 
how to play without Jamal Murray, how to get an opportunity, what they need to be doing. I just think that if they're able to succeed last season without him, they're even more likely to succeed this season without him. Not more likely, but I'd say they're just as likely this season to succeed without him. And it's just all because of Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. Those two guys are so good. You cannot sleep on them, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that Denver Nuggets are a team that's that's a playoff lock this te- this season. Obviously, Jokic coming off a, an MVP season. And he's one of those guys, like, kind of just because we watched the game yesterday, Lamar Jackson in football, who you just there's no real way to figure him out. Like mm-hmm. as much as you want to try to game plan around what he does, he can kind of do everything. And the fact that he's so physically imposing while being able to do everything on the basketball court just presents such a problem for defenses that I think this Denver Nuggets team will ultimately be fine. I know you, you talked earlier about having Jamal Murray probably back around January, February. I think that'll be a big piece for them if he can come back that early. And even if he's back later, closer to March, April, like playoff season, either way, I do think that they have the depth and the talent to hold it over until he comes back. You mentioned their guard depth. I think they're very fine there. And Michael Porter Jr. could take a massive step this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing like almost more of a two guard role, kind of with like on the wings with Will Barden and letting Aaron Gordon and Jokic work on that front court, just because now that they do have a little bit less guard depth with Jamal Murray out, and he is such a talented scorer and shooter, you might as well just slide him up that rotation and you have so much more size on the floor when you have him and Will and Aaron there next to Jokic. And defensively, he should be able to figure it out if he has to guard a guard. I mean, he's going to be way bigger than whoever he's standing in front of. I mean, for me, with, with Porter Jr., one thing that I like that I heard is that he was really working on his handle. Mm. which is important. It means he knows what his role is going to be this season. He's going to have to take over for where Jamal Murray left off. Yeah. And that's, you know, obviously like I imagine every player is doing that, but it's good to hear that he's actually doing it. His defense Mm -hmm. has gotten better every single season. I still like him as a weak side help defender. I like that Aaron Gordon slides him to just, Oh, who's the weaker perimeter player on defense. Let Aaron just take the better guy. Barton is obviously not the world's greatest defender, but he's still a good defender. He works hard. I just mm-hmm. like all the options that they have that they can slide people around, do so many interesting things. I'm, I'm, I'm really high on this Denver team. I don't even just think that they can come out. I think they can not only come out with the first seed in the West. I think, I think that they can come out and win the championship. Mm. I think that they are definitely a home court team. Uh, I, yeah, obviously oh, I won't sit there and say they're a lock. Any team that's missing one of their two best players is not a lock for anything. But they have all the pieces to be far and away the most, the best and most unsolvable offense in the playoffs alongside being a more than passable defense. I can see them winning the championship. I can see no one being able to guard this this team. And mm-hmm. a lot of that falls back on Jokic and the fact that he just breaks the game in a way that we, not, no other player in the league does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, this Denver team, I, I have them penciled in as my number one seed in the Western Conference this year also. I think that there'll be a team that's going to go from the start and continue to dominate. And you mentioned that mile high city, obviously the elevation helps a lot and what it can bring to you, not necessarily from a game to game standpoint as much, although it does affect your opponents whenever they come in there. But I think it's more for the, the training and the actual workouts, like your body just recovers better and can, your muscles can grow better. And your whole, like you're just way more athletic if you work out in that type of environment and then go down to a sea level game. And let's say a, a series against Brooklyn, where now they have to come up to the elevation three times or four times. And you get to go down there where you're just 
absolutely chilling, have oxygen to spare. And <laughs> KD and Kyrie are heaving out there because they have no clue what they're doing. So I think it's going to be a, an exciting season for this Denver Nuggets team. I do think that it's one of those teams that keeps a lot of their guys together. You keep your core and you grow as a unit. It's a great way to continue to win, especially with the roster that's already been performed very well together. And yeah, I mean, up and down this lineup, they got guys who can make plays at every position. I, I like their depth almost all over the floor. So other than maybe they could use an extra wing defender off the bench, but I, even then Jeff Green can do that job or PJ Dozier if he improves up. at all. Like I, I think that this team is really ready to go and it's going to be an exciting time for Denver Nuggets fans for sure. Yeah, I just love all the I mean, I, I just I, I love the fit of talent. Even without even without Jamal Murray, I think this team still has so much talent. And I really hope that Bones Highland gets an opportunity, but that's for another time. Um, so you said you have Denver one. Yeah. I also have Denver one. Who mm-hmm. do you have? Actually, actually, wait, no, I, I changed my notes. My bad. I changed my list. I have Denver at two. Ooh. I have Lakers at three. Me too. So who do you have at two? Are they who I have at one? Well, I have the the team that just knocked out the Denver Nuggets last year in the Phoenix so, no, Suns. No, we do not. Too. We do not have the same top three. Okay, players. all right, interesting. This is what I love to hear. Let I'm me hear about saying. the Phoenix Suns. I mean, Phoenix Suns team that again, I think they're poised to just bring back a lot of talent, a lot like what with this. Um, sorry, the Denver team. I think you have a lot of your squad coming back, and you that in that way, you get to keep your your momentum. You get to keep rolling as a unit. And a team coming off fresh off an NBA finals appearance, Devin Booker is like 24, going to be 25 this season should only be getting better. And that's a scary, scary sight for the entire league, given that how good Devin Booker already is. Then you talk about Deandre Ayton still has things to improve. You know, I saw him hit a little one footed three pointer against the Lakers the other night. It doesn't look like something he should be shooting that much of, but if he starts to hit something, it'll be interesting for them. And yeah, I mean, I think that this team is just poised to, to be another competent team. They're going to be good down the stretch of games. Obviously, when you have Chris Paul as your leader, you're going to be able to close out games well. And Mikel Bridges, I could think, will continue to improve. So I'm excited for what this Phoenix Suns team could do. I think their major knock last year was they didn't have enough physicality with DeAndre Ayton out of the game or when DeAndre Ayton was getting played out of games. And you have JaVale McGee now, who's obviously got championship DNA and a gold medal now too. So Jalen Smith, who's slowly improving and they seem to love over there so i think that this team is really ready to go and they're going to be an exciting squad to watch this season um i don't disagree with a lot of what you said i don't want to i don't want to come out and sound like i'm about to disagree with what you said i'm just a lot more scared of them i have them as a half step below my top three Mm. uh while they're i think they're a half step above the next crop of teams I know they were the two seed last year and they brought back most of their important pieces from last year. And, you know, there's young, they're young. There should be internal growth. The short off season shouldn't affect them as much. All that. I got fears. Mm. The main fear is health. It's what I said in their deep dive. Chris Paul had the healthiest season of his career last season. He only missed games for COVID. Uh, I think he got a little beat up in the Lakers series and missed one game or something, right? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that shoulder thing. Yeah, that's what it was. I forgot about, yeah. Look, he had the shoulder thing. He had the COVID thing. This is the healthiest season of his whole career, by far. <laughs> he now has the shortest, one of the shortest off seasons in NBA history. And then Devin Booker, 
is currently having the shortest offseason of any single player in NBA history, essentially. Going straight from the NBA Finals to the Olympics, competing in the Olympics, mm-hmm. then finishing the Olympics, and then, oh, got like, what, 45 days? Yeah, not 50 even. days? Yeah. Not even. He doesn't even have two months away from basketball before he's back in it, back in the back in everything, back on uh, back on track. He's here for training camp and stuff. Obviously, they're going to take it a little easier. Opening day is coming up. Yep. He's had the tiniest, shortest offseason of any player, essentially, in NBA history. DeAndre Aiden has not gotten a contract extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Bridges, but I don't think that's a big enough issue. And these factors just make me scared to put this team in a top tier. I just think there's a lot of ways that it can go wrong. I do think they're a little better than the the next tier of teams. It would take a lot of stuff going wrong for me to be uh for them to wind up uh, below the sixth seed. But I do think that there's a pathway for them to wind up below the sixth seed. If Chris Paul is missing a ton of games, if Chris Paul and Devin Booker are missing a ton of games together, if DeAndre Ayton is making uh, business plays <laughs> instead of, uh, I want to say basketball yeah. plays, but instead of just diving to the rim like Chris Paul tells him to, um, there could be, uh, this could spoil a good amount of, reg- spill a good amount of regression, spell a good amount of regression for this team. I currently have them as a four seed. But I could see them falling down to the eight nine eight nine range, depending on how how much trouble they encounter. Yeah, I mean, obviously, with with any team, I think there is a worry for injury, and with the Phoenix Suns, especially because they do have that shortest off season, other than the Milwaukee Bucks, and in the Western Conference, it's obviously the shortest one. So there is obviously a little bit of concern, but I don't know. I'm I'm pretty high on this team, especially just because they are young. I do think that they'll be able to bounce back from a lot of this and keep the young legs just moving. I think that they have so many guys who just continue to improve that even if they do miss some time, I think they'll have guys step up and play well. So I'm not too worried, but I do see the the things that if, if Devin Booker is out for an extended period of time and that does overlap with some Chris Paul missed games, then that could spell a couple, couple weeks, maybe a month of just not good Phoenix Suns basketball. Um. Also, the Phoenix Suns didn't do a great job at winning against teams below 0.500. I don't have the stats in front of me, but they mm. were absolutely exceptional beating teams that were above 0.500. If that trend continues, if the trend of not beating those those up below 0.500 teams continues while also missing a lot of games from Chris Paul and Devin Booker, room for pause, room, room, yeah. for, room for a lot of regression right there. Although the last thing I will say, Monty Williams getting his second season as a head coach, I think that can only mean improvements for the team and continue to to get better and be able to practice more and actually yeah. implement a lot more of the things he wants. Yeah, a young he already like seems this. to have such a, a great connection with the squad mm-hmm. that I think he he will continue to be to prove why he is one of the better coaches in the NBA. Yeah, I think getting the young guys a couple more reps in practice would actually help this team out a bunch. But I do think that, you know, Chris Paul helped neg- Chris Paul helped uh, negate the loss of all that practice time. But I think having oh, extra yeah. time for practice would help these the young players a lot. Uh, how far, so how far you do you see them one? going? I mean, this Phoenix Suns team, I, I do think, I, I think they can go back to the finals. I, would, I don't want to say that they're a lock at all, but just given the other things in the Western Conference that can happen, like obviously injuries can happen to anyone. I think talent-wise, they match up relatively well with anyone at the top obviously if they have to see a fully healthy lakers team or a fully healthy Nuggets squad fully healthy warriors team i think it's going to be a tough time for them but i I do think that they have the the personnel and they have the weapons that are required to win in the current nba 
And if they can get a little bit of luck of the draw like last year or just have guys naturally progress and become better players, I don't see why DeAndre Ayton as a, can continue to evolve as a hybrid post or Mikel Bridges can continue to evolve as a dual forward. There's things that can work for this team to continue to make them as one of the upper echelon championship level teams in the NBA. Yeah. I, mean, what about I, you? I wouldn't go that far, mm-hmm. but I'm going to let you go that far. I, I've got them as a second round bounce, maybe even a first round bounce if their health really isn't together. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I am really predicting the health not to go well for all of these teams that for, well, for the Bucks, for the Bucks and the Suns, I'm really predicting the health not to hold up. I'll yeah, own that. I think the Olympics is a big part of that too for both those squads. Yeah, the the Olympics, their best players going to the Olympics is not is also a big part of that. I will own that. That's why I'm more worried about those two than I mm-hmm. am the Hawks and the Clippers. Well, the Clippers already have <laughs> Clippers already have health issues. Mm-hmm. If they have more, obviously their the, the bottom will fall out. But yeah, Atlanta, I'm a little less worried because of their age. Because none of them did, the, none of them did the Olympics. All that we'll we'll see. Maybe I'm being a little too optimistic. So we've gone through my one, two, three. You're two, three, four. So who do you have at one? I hate that I have to say it, but the team that I consider the most likely to get the one seed, the team that I think will finish the season with the one seed, is the Utah Jazz. They added Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside to replace Derek Favors. Jared Butler looks like he might be able to play right away. Uh, it sounds like they'll be running. The, they're going to be running the same system as last year. That should be a recipe for success. Mm-hmm. Like it, we mentioned, we mentioned uh, last week's episode that uh, last season, because of the less the lack of practice time, teams that had a set system that was different than what other teams ran had a significant advantage. That was a lot of the Utah Jazz. So I yep. do see some room for falling back right there. But I also think they just ran a great regular season, uh, regular season offense. Chuck a bunch of threes, funnel everything to Rudy Gobert. No one's gonna edit, change their whole offense in the middle of the regular season for a Wednesday night game in Utah. <laughs> With that said, I think that they should be doing, they should be changing their defense. I think they should be changing their offense. I think that they they should experiment more. It sounds like they're gonna be running everything the same or similar to last year. It sounds like they brought in Hassan Whiteside to bear, back up Rudy Gobert. I just think that they should be trying some more small ball. They should be trying more mm-hmm. offenses, more more small lineups where they really have to get out and defend. Uh, maybe they should be trying to do more Rudy Gobert post-ups or try to find a way to get Rudy Gobert to, you know, take advantage of smaller players. Even yeah. if it's not a true post-up, if it's, if I don't even know what it is. If it's trying to get him to do short roll stuff, if it's having him do a short roll from the top of the, from the top of the, um, having him do a short roll and then having someone cut someone else pop out to three and him just know that he has two reads and he has to make one of them. Mm-hmm. I just think that they should be trying to experiment more instead of falling into the same system as last year to win playoff games. But in terms of winning regular season games, doing the same thing as last year, in my opinion is the best way to win regular season games. Yeah. I mean, this Utah jazz team is a, a squad that definitely gave me a little bit more concern are just more questions because I, I wasn't a big fan of their offseason acquisitions. And I do see how they could continue to win regular season games and, and be one of the best teams in the league. But you did mention it. And that one of the bigger parts of last season was the fact that they were bringing back essentially their full team from the year before. And with very little practice time to have all the guys who had already practiced for a full season together back on the squad does really help your continuity and your ability to get going and keep going as a team. I will say I 
as a, a plus side to this team, I think Donovan Mitchell is going to take a, another massive step this year. Mm-hmm. I think he is going to be an absolute superstar this season. I wouldn't, I, honestly, if they finish as the one seed, I would not be surprised to see him in MVP conversations. Mm-hmm. I think he can do that. And I think he will be like that this year, but I'm, I'm definitely not that high on the Utah jazz this season, just cause I'm not nec- like, I'm not a huge fan of their bench unit and what they can do after Donovan Mitchell comes off the floor. Like, Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles, yes, can continue to to run a bench five and continue to be good. But if you're going to just rely on how many guys that were hitting 40-plus percent from three last year to continue to do that is an unlikely scenario. And even if it's still six out of eight of them who can do it, so I think it'll hurt them in the long run. And if they don't start experimenting with the small ball lineups, it, it seems like a, a first-round exit team for me again. But I do think that this Utah Jazz is a, a good squad. They are obviously Quinn Schneider is a great head coach, great defensive coach. So I'm not too worried about their ability to win games. But I do think that if you look throughout the lineup, if they have any type of injury problems, I don't know who's coming off the bench and really doing it for them. Like as soon as anyone of Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley is out, and you're, you're going to be relying on Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, or Jared Butler to be running your entire guard rotation. And yeah, that seems like a, a question to me. <laughs> I, I agree, especially with how badly both Mitchell and Conley fell apart during the playoffs last year. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, Mitchell's young enough that I don't want to predict him having yeah. him being injured again. Conley is someone that they will have to find a way to get by without. And whether that's me, Aoni starting or mm-hmm. Joe Ingles starting or Jared Butler starting, that's something that we'll have to see. Uh, I do think Eric Pascal is someone who might actually yeah. get more time. I'm wondering if they try to run. I'm. I, it's gonna be. I'm gonna be interested in seeing how they decide to run their lineups. Mm-hmm. I just think that they should. They should be experimenting a lot more. I think they have this ceiling of being a truly amazing team. I think that. I think that there's a lot of ways that they can experiment to have a really good. Good luck. I think they, there's a lot of ways they can experiment to get a lot out of their guys. Like maybe a Bojan Bogdanovic, Rudy Gay, Royce O'Neal bench lineup. Mm. Not every bench lineup, obviously, but having yeah. those guys all together on a unit, getting Donovan Mitchell and Eric Pascal playing together with Rudy Gobert more often. Mm-hmm. Um, I I actually like the Hassan Whiteside signing as a backup big. Uh, although I do think that they should have been giving they should have given Azubuki a chance, but you know, yeah, I mean it, he's still it, on roster, so is what it is. He's on roster. He's got a chance to prove himself. Mm-hmm. I uh, I like the Elijah Hughes pickup. I think he's uh, underrated. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I I see this. I think this team will win regular season games, and I think mm-hmm. that they will lose. I don't think that they're going to win a lot of playoff games. I don't see them making it out of the second round. And if they don't get a good if they don't get a good matchup in that first round, I don't see them making it out of the first round. If they wind up with Dallas, I don't think they make it out of the first round. Yeah. Uh, if they wind up with the Warriors, I don't think they make it out of the first round. There's a um. Even a Grizzlies rematch, I would I not be say, very excited about. I, <laughs> I didn't want to spoil my Grizzlies predictions later, but <laughs> depending on how this Grizzlies season plays out, I would not want to see them in the first round if I'm if I'm uh, yeah. if I'm Utah. And a lot of it just comes down to Rudy Gobert not being like. Okay, no, we're, I'm doing this now. I'm doing this now. Okay, <laughs> you know what? I've been listening to all these podcasts talk about how the the Utah Jazz are underrated. The that it wasn't Rudy Gobert's fault that he was getting exposed in the playoffs on de- on defense 
his guards should have been staying in front of their men. Yes, that's not the issue. Like, <laughs> that's not the issue. The issue isn't. Look, yes, the issue is that he's getting beat beat on offense. The issue is that you can run these five out lineups with Rudy Gobert on the floor, because Rudy Gobert can't do anything on offense with the ball in his hands. Literally That's why you nothing. need to work with him on a short roll. That's why mm -hmm. he should be doing more in the short roll. He should be trying to do some posting up. Anytime he gets a little guy on him in the regular season, it should be an instant post up. The entire offense should come to a grinding halt and enter the ball to Rudy Gobert and let him turn it over. Every single time. Let, let him go over 30 on post ups. I don't care. Mm -hmm. He needs to work on them. He needs to yeah. work on taking care of mismatches. Even if it's just turning around and throwing up both his arms to try to put a shot up near the rim. I don't care. He needs, because he cannot take advantage of these short defenders whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Whatsoever. They can go a five out on offense, run you off the floor in transition, have all these guys that can hit threes. And yes, Terrence Mann had the game of his career. <laughs> cool. He did. Why are we acting like that's crazy? Yeah. Why are Why we, we acting, acting like, like that's if you crazy? leave? NBA players wide open for an entire game, they're not going to hit like 75. Like these guys all hit 90 plus percent of shots in practice. Like Those are practice threes for Terrence Mann. Like anyone, you're giving these guys practice threes and you expect them to go <laughs> to go one for four because they're because they shoot th sub 30% or something. What did Terrence Mann shoot for the season? Hold on, I, I could get you that right now. And you're leaving mm -hmm. him open and you're like, you're like, oh yeah, the guards should have closed out, should have, shouldn't have gotten beat. Yes, they shouldn't have gotten beat. I don't disagree with that, but maybe they got need... beat because you spent the whole season telling them they could get beat. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you spent the whole season know... ready for Rudy Gobert to be down there in the paint for them, and they weren't ready. And yes, they were injured. Mm -hmm. Yes, they were injured. But you can't then be shocked when Terrence Mann, a 41.8% career three-point shooter, well, career, last season three-point shooter, hit mm -hmm. a bunch of threes on you. Yeah. You can't be shocked. No, absolutely not. I... Absolute madness to me. Um, when, when li listening to this, when listening to these things, Rudy go, it, it was Rudy Gobert's fault because he had no offensive game. He had no yeah. offensive game other than, other than just putting it right in the net on a roll on a, dunking it, all that he needs to do more on offense or you need to not be getting beat on beat on defense. You can't just be needs... like, it's not Rudy Gobert's fault because, because you like him. Mm -hmm. You have to play a certain style with Rudy Gobert. And sometimes that style isn't conducive to winning basketball. And that's fine, yep. but that means he should not be on the floor. All right, Literally. that was my Rudy Gobert rant that I've been holding in for so long. And that's not to say I don't like Rudy Gobert. I don't think he's not a winning player. I don't think any of that. I think you can win basketball games with Rudy Gobert. I just think you need to know when to go small. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I'm going to say this for, for Rudy. like it, At this point in his NBA career, you're a, you're a three-time DPOY, and you're like 7-2. You still can't make a baby hook. Like, Are we, are we really serious? Like you got a six eight guy on you, you can't turn around and drop the ball in the basket from four feet away. Like shoot it with two hands. I don't even care. But like, there should has to be some form of like, okay, this is a tiny human being compared to me. I should be able to catch the ball, take one dribble, get myself within five feet of the basket, and turn around and whoop, there it is. And whoop, I think a lot of that is. is just. I think a lot of that is just that he doesn't get the opportunity. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that he actually cannot hit those shots. I don't and and if how about this and if he can't have yeah. someone be ready to crash yeah have have someone be ready to have Eric Pascal out there ready to run run like a crazy person crash mm -hmm. the boards and put that ball in the net yeah it's not that crazy it's a, it's a it 
there, there are ways to plan for it. And I don't think the Utah Jazz did that. And so maybe it's, I don't think it's entirely on Rudy Gobert. I don't, but I do think that it's time. You have to recognize the limits, limitations as a player. And that's why mm-hmm. I don't think that they make it out of the second round. That's why I think that if they get a bad first round matchup, they're losing in the first round. All right. Yeah. That was the rant that I've been building up for so long. Cause I've been doing so many long drives, listening to people try to tell me that there was no <laughs> issue with Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. And I should just look the other way. All right, so I had the Jazz actually penciled in at my five seat this year. Whoa, who do you have it for? That's Wait, can, I I guess? can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah, I mean, it Dallas? should be pretty. No, no chance. Oh, I'm I... excited. Who is it? <laughs> I, I got the Golden State Warriors at four, man. The, the Golden I... State Warriors and Steph Curry are absolutely going bizonkers this year. And uh, there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to. I mean, you got Steph, Andrew, and Dre still out there. Kuminga and Wiseman are going to be out there just doing crazy things in the front court. I'm very excited to see James Wiseman's second year. He seems absolutely ready to go. And then the depth throughout this squad, I think, is potentially one of the best in the league just because there's so many guys who could do so much different things on the squad and bring what you need to have alongside a guy like Steph Curry where you could just throw in Juan Toscano-Anderson to literally go play the best defense in the entire league. You could throw in Jordan Poole whenever Steph needs a break to go get 30 in five minutes and come back out. You could throw in Otto Porter and Amanya Bielitsa to spread the floor. And I just think that this squad is poised to go. I think they're super excited to, to get this, all these young guys back. And with Clay getting ready to come back this season, I think everyone is just loving everything going around in the Bay Area. The boys seem to be thrilled to get the season going, and it's just going to be a great time. Look... <laughs> So why don't you tell me why the Warriors aren't going to be the NBA champions this year? <laughs> I, I, okay. All right. I get to be the pessimist. I, I should have, I should have been ready for this. I should have written my notes <laughs> negatively. I wrote them very positively. So I, I mean, have the, okay. So I just want to say my, I have the uh, first four teams we talked about as uh, I guess one tier and Phoenix is the minus in that tier of teams mm. that I consider the most likely to make the playoffs. The closest thing I have to locks, I have them all as a call it more than 50% shot to wind yep. up as a top six team, all of those teams, these next few teams, I could see them in plans. Mm. I could see them in plans. I could see them losing plans. I could see them winning plans. It's there's a lot more variance and a lot less uh, certainty for the golden state warriors. I'm going to tell you right now, when we were doing the off season deep dives mm-hmm. and I had, I have a document where I was tracking which teams we'd done. I had my predictions, my write downs. It was just a lot of information for me to use mm-hmm. in that. I made my first, preseason pre pre preseason this was probably like two weeks after the season was done okay my rankings and mm-hmm. i had the golden state warriors as the two seed yes sir i had them as the second seed in the league and then i heard the news that james wiseman and clay thompson won't be back to start the season they might not i think for clay it's until christmas is it wiseman also wiseman might be back a little bit earlier they're saying maybe november that's good but that's where i'm worried Everyone's really high on Jordan Poole, and I am too, so I'm not going to come out. I'm not like actually, I'm not going to dump on Jordan Poole. I really like him. I really like what I've seen from him. I think he's taking a legitimate jump. I think that G League bubble helped him so much. I'm curious to the effect that G League bubble had because so many people, players went, came back, and were amazing. Poole, KPJ, Pokushevsky, and there's a bunch more that I'm forgetting. Uh, Nico Mannion, mm. to add another warrior to that list, or former warrior. Oh, boy. Get well soon, Nico. Um, mm mm-hmm. There's that I like that, but I don't I don't get everyone I don't get everyone's hype for these bench players. I don't get everyone's <laughs> hype for this rotation the the rotational pieces that are brought in. 
Uh, Otto Porter was not good the last time he played basketball. Yeah. Nemanja Bjelica and Andre Iguodala. Uh, the, like, the Heat legends, but um, what did we see <laughs> from them last year exactly? That makes you think that they that, that they're gonna that makes people think that they're gonna be amazing. I don't get it. I, I this team is all about whether Steph and Draymond are able to stay healthy and how healthy they can stay. I don't. Steph was already pretty much what perfect last season. I mean, they what were, is he not? They were the eighth seed, and people were voting him for MVP. Did he finish third or fourth? Like, yeah, he was he, in that list. He was on that MVP list as the eighth seed. Draymond Green was a DPOY candidate again absolutely balling out these two if they're able to stay healthy this team can win a lot of games mm-hmm. but without Steph this team's offense is not going to hold up and without Draymond their defense will not hold up I I love Juan Toscano I understand I love I love I actually like Kevon Looney more than a lot of people mm-hmm. I'll own that that's probably one of my character flaws is how much I actually <laughs> like enjoy Kevon Looney as a player if they're not holding up that defense without Draymond I love Jordan Poole he's not holding the offense together for long streaks without Steph Curry. For weeks without Steph Curry, he's not holding that de- that offense together. Mm-hmm. If Steph and Draymond both play at least 70 games, I think this team's winning at least 45 games. At least. Yeah. Maybe even 50. Depending mm-hmm. on how good Clay Thompson comes back, they could be winning 50, 55 games even. Yep. If they're all playing a lot of games, if Clay Thompson comes back at 100%, this team could be insane. This team could go on a crazy win streak, and I would not be shocked. I love, the- I love Moses Moody. I love mm-hmm. Moses Moody. I love him. I love his fit. I like Andrew Wiggins, the fit he has on this team. Very happy he got vaccinated. Um, mm-hmm. I think that Kuminga can be really valuable. I think that Wiseman can be really valuable if used right. I like that they're leaning into this small ball with a lot of Draymond and Juan Toscano Anderson at, at the five. I really think they should start those two. I'm going to be honest. I think that the I'm... starting front court should be Dre and Juan. Uh, <laughs> I think that Looney is someone who should get traded as soon as uh, as soon as Wiseman is back. Bielitsa, I actually like him and his fit next to Draymond against worse than average offensive centers, mm-hmm. so that he can just stand there and be large and hit threes, and Dre can go do Dre stuff on someone else. Shout out Rudy Gobert. Shout out Rudy Gobert. Um, wow, nice. Um, thank you. I I think there's a lot of variance to this team. Because mm-hmm. also there's the the reality that what Steph misses thirty games. What he how many games did he does he usually miss per season? Probably about fifteen, twenty. Yeah, depending if he number. doesn't get hurt. I unfortunately only have those numbers for uh for Rudy Gobert for um Joel Embiid, <laughs> but he played sixty three of seventy two last year, five mm-hmm. of eighty two the year before, five of uh, a lot more the year before, sixty nine of eighty two, fifty one of eighty two, and that's all since 2017, 2018. To, to put it light, nicely, him hitting 70 games would be unexpected. Possible, but unexpected. Mm-hmm. Same, Dre, similar deal. Very hard for him to stay in shape. Very hard for him to play a lot of games and play a lot of minutes. Uh, especially if he's going to be playing the center almost full-time, which it sounds like they're going to be doing. If there's a lot of injuries on this team, this team could fall. Yep. Maybe to the ninth. If it, there's just average injuries for this team, this team could fall to ninth. If Klay Thompson doesn't come back at 100% and there's average injuries on this team, I could see this team as a locked-in playoff t- play-in team. And I don't see them winning a first-round series unless Klay comes back at 100% or mm. they get a really good matchup. Like, a really good matchup. Like, I mean, really, it's just the Utah Jazz. They just match up so well against the Utah Jazz. Uh, they, they have the Utah Jazz's number. 
It's mm-hmm. just a it's just a fact. I'm not trying to disrespect the Jazz. Yeah. But if Clay's back healthy, all their guys are having above averagely healthy seasons. The rest of their team are stepping up. Their bench players are stepping up. Otto Porter is healthy and stepping up. Then this team's ceiling is the sky. I could see them winning the I could see them winning the NBA Finals. I could see them cruising mm-hmm. to the NBA Finals. Until I see anything though, I'm predicting a 7 seed and a first round exit. I mean, I, I'm very excited for this team for reasons I've already mentioned. And for more, even so, I think that they're going to be able to go in transition a lot better than in most seasons. Mm-hmm. I think of the Warriors transition, you've often seen like, hey, let's just look for Steph and Clay and running behind guys to just get wide open threes. Mm-hmm. And now there's a lot of athletes on this floor who are just like, screw it. Let's just get down the floor and absolutely just yam the ball through the basket every single time because no one's keeping up with us. And with Draymond Green, I think it unlocks so much for these young guys if they're just willing to take the time to learn and appreciate what he can bring to them, not, not necessarily defensively. Cause I think what he has defensively is just very hard to teach. It's kind of a, a natural, just innate skill that he has, but more his ability to be a, a small ball handler and push in transition and learn to make great reads. I think if you start to see a lot of guys is grabbing the ball and going for this warriors team, we're going to see a very successful season. And, and that's what I honestly expect to see out of a lot of these guys is, you get that rebound and you just push immediately. The guards are already going to run the lanes, let the big bring the ball up and just let something happen. Cause I think this team is going to be very fluid, very exciting to watch. And I think they're going to have a great season this year. I'm very excited. I think like, like you mentioned, I think they can go all the way to the finals. I do like, I do see a first or second round exit if things go wrong for this team, obviously. But uh, I think as long as people are healthy going into the playoffs, even if clay isn't a hundred percent, if he's just 85 and, maybe turns it up when we get into the later rounds. I think this is a, a squad that's poised to go. And it, I have them so highly just because I think that there there's teams below them in the West that just don't have the tools. And for them too, if they get in any type of injury problems, it's going to be worse for them than it would be for the Warriors. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think it's just going to come down. I think one of the big things for me is how the young players step up on this team. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, I think the ideal center rotation, the ideal center rotation, if you're Steve Kerr, you're hoping is the center rotation, is that you've got about 20 minutes of, of Wiseman, maybe another 20 minutes split between Juan Toscano Anderson and Draymond Green, uh, probably, like, not necessarily, like, where they're both the five, maybe the other one's the four, or maybe they're not, I don't know. And then eight minutes of Jonathan Kuminga at the five, mm-hmm. which leaves Kevon Looney out. Yeah. Um... And I mean, I think Kevon Looney will definitely get minutes, but yeah. I do see that. What's yeah, I, I mean, I think he will get minutes. I just think that that's like his ideal ideal lineup. I think ideally, I mean, hot take. I think ideally, they'd hope that Moses Moody can defend well enough that he could start right away to yeah. at least fill in as the defensive <laughs> starter next to Stephen Curry. Because mm-hmm. I think, and also they're gonna have to hope that Clay Thompson comes back at full health and is able to defend ones also because. Quite frankly, if he's not defending ones, they're going to have a real point of attack defense problem because that's not where they like to play Steph. And Jordan Poole isn't exactly a lead at that. You didn't you didn't see the new Alcatraz they have in Golden State? No, Wiggins Island. Yeah, yeah. Wiggins <laughs> on the wing, though. I don't know. Maybe you can play Wiggins on the one, but I, I, eh, eh. It'll, it'll right. always be a matchup thing whenever you have Steph Curry on the floor. That's very true. Okay, so you have the Warriors at five. Warriors can at I four, ask Jazz you at have five. At, what? Warriors at four, Jazz at five, but yeah. You got Warriors at four, Jazz at five. Who do you have at six? <laughs> a team I think is going to do real well this year, the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, man. Okay, no. We're doing my, we're doing my 
five. And we first, should do and your we'll four both, or five. Yeah, we'll do my five first. So I right now have the Suns at four. So I got Jazz, Jazz at four. No, Suns at four. You got Jazz at five. Suns mm. at four. My five is the Dallas Mavericks. And we're going to mm. do Grizzlies after this. Let's do it. Uh, just because I need a break of talking about teams that I'm in love with. Because uh, <laughs> I really love these Mem- the, the Golden State Warriors. And I really love the Memphis Grizzlies. The Dallas Mavericks are a team that I'm way higher on than other teams. Because I'm way less lower than others on the Jason Kidd coaching hire. Because I am mm. also much lower. I'm much higher than others on the Jason Kidd coaching hire. Because I am much lower on the on Rick Carlisle than most others. Yeah. I might be the lowest I might be the lowest person on Rick Carlisle <laughs> that actually has a plat that has a platform. Without uh, being and I'll own that. I'll own that. I don't think he's a bad coach. I just think he was a horrible fit for this offense and for this team and this roster. Mhm. I still don't love the roster. Yeah. But look, let's assume that Kid has been learning over the last few years working under Frank Vogel. Mm-hmm. What are the two best things that Vogel does? Defense. Running defenses and letting <laughs> and the best basketball player on the planet of Earth continue to be the best basketball player on the planet of Earth. If Kid improved just a noticeable amount of those two things, then I think he can figure out how to make these maps work. But even if he can't, I think Luka is so good, yeah. he can drag this team to wins. Just because of Luka Doncic, I think this team can accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. I do have a fear that Kid. Kid announced he wanted to play Porzingis at the four. And I think it's going to take a lot of creativity for that to work. And I'm a little scared for that. Mm. But if if that was just a, hey, let's see how it goes in preseason thing, then I think that this Mavs team can work really well. Even if it's just the first few weeks of the season and then putting him back at the five, I think this Mavs team can do so well. I have them as a five seed, but mm. that's really just anchored on Luka. Yeah, and I mean, Luka Doncic is obviously, there's there's nothing else to be said at this point that we haven't already seen or saw from the young man. He's an absolute superstar and going to be a superstar for years to come in this league. But yeah, my, my main pause is with the rest of the roster. Uh, I do think that he is going to be great and he is going to win them a lot of games or at least put them in position to win a lot of games. But in a Western conference that is going to be so tightly contested, I I don't imagine Chris Porzingis does play the four. I hope unless you're going to bench half uh, a third of your roster because <laughs> or else you got nowhere else to play all these dudes. Cause you got about eight guys above seven foot three on your team right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know where the Mavericks are going with that. That is my main concern with them is the fact that you just loaded up on centers and the wing depth is really not there behind Luca to help out. Like you've been one of the main proponents of Reggie Bullock has had one good season. Let's not consider Reggie Bullock a, a career 3 and D specialist at this point in his life. He is not someone who I can really rely on for that. Tim Hardaway Jr. has never been a very great defender. You're looking at literally the only plus defender I could see on the wings for them is Dorian Finney-Smith, and hopefully Josh Green gets the minutes. Hey, I think and Maxi Kleba, Maxi Kleba can defend. Don't disrespect Maxi. Yeah, he like can that. defend forwards. <laughs> That's true. Can't defend guards or wings, and Luga isn't going to do that either. Some wings. Yeah, on, big wings. The man too hard. Big wings. He, big wings. He can definitely defend. However, is he going to be doing that with Kristaps and Boban on the floor next to him? Or We're running that... a lot of zone this year <laughs> in Dallas. I'm with you. That's my scare. That's my fear. That's mm-hmm. my fear that we're seeing. Like, I'm hoping maybe, oh, Chris Epps at the four means he's going to be playing outside. He's going to be getting the ball in his hands more. Maybe yep. maybe Dwight Powell is, uh, maybe we got uh, Maxi Kleba playing the five. You know, ha, ha, yep. ha. Something silly like that. 
where they say that a four is actually playing the five and the five is the four, whatever to make him happy. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I also think that the drop stuff that kid used to do would work pretty well with Porzingis if done right. I do think that the, the Luca Porzingis pick and rolls are always going to be a given bucket, Mm -hmm. but I'm with you. I, I think this team doesn't get higher than the three. But I've got them mm. at the five. I could see them falling to the eight or nine. I'd be really shocked to see them at nine, but just with how many good teams there are in the West, there are nine good teams in the West. I could see this team falling to that nine. But as for playoff I mean, expectations, I don't think this team, I think this team can go to the finals. I think any team with a player as good as Luca can, mm -hmm. but I, I, uh, I'd expect a second round exit yeah. after uh, an exciting first round series. But I think Luca wins his, I think Luca's going to win his first one this year. And I say that, and then he's going to wind up beating my Lakers in the first round, isn't he? I'm cursing myself. <laughs> I mean, with the, the fact that I have them penciled in at nine right now, he could end up playing the Lakers in the first round. Because, yeah, I mean, like you said, there's, there are nine teams in the West that we both think are, are going to be in this playoff play-in race. And ultimately, I looked at the Mavericks roster at the end of it all, and I said, look, Luka Doncic is, yes, definitely one of the best players in the NBA. I don't think this team is particularly well-constructed, whether it be around him or in general, to win. And ultimately, I don't think they're going to have a great regular season. I do think that they can make a second round. Even they, they could make the conference finals with a guy like Luka Doncic if they get a good second-round matchup or just anyone who they can play big against and it'll work. But yeah, I, I think this team is still a couple years away. And that's not that big of a problem when you have a guy like Luca who's still on a rookie contract this season. And no, no, he's on his. Isn't he on his extension this year? I think it kicks in next year. This is uh, his last year because he's at 2018 class. Yep, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm looking at my own cap sheet. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and so I'm yeah, looking I at mean, the numbers I put in myself. Yes, <laughs> yes, he is fine right now. Uh, so I, I do think that they couldn't. They could definitely compete in the playoffs when you have a guy like that, but. You look at what he went through, and he also went to the Olympics this year. Let's not forget about that and carried relatively hard for the Slovenian team. So uh, I, I do think this is a season where the Mavericks could see a little bit of regressions in the win column, and that's not a bad thing for them. First-year head coach for Jason Kidd, you know, get a little first season under the belt, make a few roster changes, and come back next year and be great. But this is not going to be the greatest season, I think, for the Dallas Mavericks. I uh, can't uh... – I don't know. I, I think that there is a lot of room for pause. I don't think you're crazy. I'm going to tell you that, but I do think yeah. that the Mavericks are going to do, I, I, I'm a little higher on the Mavericks. You mentioned that you have them as your nine seed. So how yeah. about we talk about last year's nine seed that we both currently have as the six seed. I was yes, kind of hoping sir. that I'd get to be the hot taker there. You keep taking, you're putting me in so many awkward positions. This podcast, man, what that, what, what is this? Awesome. <laughs> the Memphis Grizzlies are a really good basketball team. Yeah. They were the nine seed last year while getting, one good game from Jaron Jackson Jr. and missing John Morant for a stretch and then him being slow right when he came back. Not the easiest time. And then they got Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks made a huge jump last season. I think he can keep mm. it up, especially with the way he had the momentum in the playoffs. I yeah. think the Memphis team is primed for a breakout season, even though they lost Jonas Valanciunas. They, mm -hmm. I think they're, I think they're really good. I think they're bringing in Steven Adams. I know they got a first round pick to take on his contract. I think his fit with this with this uh, with these young players is actually better. I think that it needs to be time for the young players to win games, and I think that his defense is going to be so huge for that. Yeah, uh, I got them at the sixth seed, and mm -hmm. honestly, I could see them. Realistically, I could see them getting up to the four seed or as low as the nine seed. But I want to say, I could see them taking the one seed in the league, two seed in the league, one seed in the West, 
if Jaron Jackson Jr. takes a large but realistic jump this year mm-hmm. with health, strength, fouling. Uh, he, he, he was one of the greatest. He had the second greatest three-point shooting season of any seven-footer in NBA history, shooting, what, 40% on, I think, 7.2 threes a game? Mm-hmm. Maybe even more attempts, yeah. If he can become a true modern stretch five that can switch on defense, which he's shown he has the ability to, yeah, and b- cover real bigs, which he's shown he has the ability to, while on mm-hmm. offense stepping all the way out to the three and putting the ball on the ground, all things he's shown that he has the ability to. He has shown flashes of all of this. If he can put that together, I think this Grizzlies team has, team has a chance to be the best or one of the best teams in the league. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think that's super likely, I think that's very likely. It just takes a moderate jump this year. I'm expecting a sixth seed, probably a first round exit again, but I'm expecting a sixth seed out of this team. Yeah. I mean, I got them penciled in as a sixth seed. I think that Steven Adams point is a, a very important one. And one I think we've mentioned before, I'm just going to echo it again quickly is that they're not going to be reliant on JV to get them buckets anymore. And that is something for this team that I think is incredibly important that we're going to, okay, now it's really going to be John Morant, Dylan Brooks, or DeAnthony Melton and anyone else who's creating their own shots and having to work through and and really run the offense properly instead of just relying on the JV dub down, get a bucket because he will go get a bucket in the post and he will average 20 and 20 for you. But that's not what this Memphis team needs to progress. I think Steven Adams and the way that he could set his massive hard body screens is going to allow John Morat to create so much out of that pick and roll. And I mean, Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, so much young talent on this team to continue to improve. Jared Culver. I, I mean, he's cashing threes in the preseason. They're, they're coming for him. And the, I see the commentators are coming after him, but he's, uh, he's doing his thing. So it's going to be exciting to see Desmond Bain. I've seen like an absolute demon of a player last year. Like, I love Desmond. Bain. So unconsciously great as a shooter. And so supremely confident. Like I saw this man hit a game winning three as a buzzer beating three on someone when they were literally standing almost in his shorts. And he just stood and stared at them and holding the gooseneck over his head the whole time. Like there's so many things about Desmond Bain and this entire Grizzlies team that I think we both love. And yeah, I think this is going to be an incredible season for them. Even a guy like Xavier Tillman, who has had a big role for them last year and seems to be a little bit forgotten can have a massive improvement this season, especially learning from Steven Adams and working with him. Although Steven is a little bit bigger, he's they are kind of the same width of human being and to operate as a, a low post man, I think is going to improve a lot. You're going to get Zaire Williams some chance to create and do some wild stuff off the bench. And I, I think this team is definitely poised to go. They're an exciting team. I honestly think they can make a little run in the playoffs. I wouldn't expect to see them in the conference finals, but I wouldn't be surprised to see John Morant get his first first round win. I would not and, be and continue either. to move because I think we've seen John Morant in playoff time in playing games. Like seems like a guy who likes to elevate his game when it matters the most. And if you can get that, and then Dylan Brooks, who also seems to do that, and if Jaron Jackson takes a step and then shows in the playoffs that he's also a big game player, like. That is a big three that is going to cause many teams, many, many problems. <laughs> they are probably one of the last teams that I want to match up against come playoff time. Yeah. Even no matter what, they're one of the last teams I want to match up against. There's no team that's just going to hit you as hard as they are going to be hitting you. And shout out Taylor Jenkins. He's done a phenomenal job with this team. Like Absolutely phenomenal job. This is one of the most underrated coaches in the league. Everyone seems to love it. Love, love the team, love the teammates, love the coaching staff. And I think him being a first year coach last year and, and getting a chance to take over is an absolute blessing for them. Yeah. 
All right. We need to, we need to move. We're losing yeah. track of time. There's mm-hmm. two more teams left in this top nine. There's a very clear top nine. There's two more teams left. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with the Clippers. Yep. They're a team that I think is almost being... Part of me says they're being underrated. <laughs> but part of me is also like the West is so good, they're not underrated. Yeah. I think there's... I think, honestly, every single one of these nine teams could win a playoff series, and I wouldn't be shocked. Mm-hmm. That's my issue. I want to go yeah. and I'm like, oh, but I'm like, every one of them sh- has... Every one of them has at least one matchup where they should win. Mm-hmm. Every single team here has one matchup that they should win, at least. The Los Angeles Clippers are a team that's almost being underrated. And I, I like them... <sighs> I have them as the seven seed. Mm. Uh, actually, yeah, I had Golden State at eight. My bad. I changed that up at the last minute. Uh, no, no, I had Clippers at eight. My bad. Warriors seven, Clippers eight. Losing track of all this. Mm-hmm. I think they're really good. They've got a ton of talent. Tons of guys who can step up. Great coach. Top 15 player. Versatile pieces. And a coach who's shown that he can take advantage of that. they got young players who can step up. They're used to not having Kawhi Leonard available. I, I think this team is a lot better than people realize. I think we're going to see yeah. a lot of their guys step up. I think that Bledsoe is going to have kind of a comeback season. Maybe he's not going to go to that same all defense level as he used to be mm-hmm. uh, with the same reverence that he used to have, but I could see him be a really good starting guard. I could see yeah. Zubak stepping up and getting and winning the team a couple of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see a lot of these, uh, you know, Markeith Morris, Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, all these guys stepping up and maybe PG has another MVP season in him, MVP caliber season in him. Yeah, no, I definitely. I mean, I have the Clippers penciled in at, at as at the eight seed as well. That one was tough there for a second. Oh, God, um, I do day. think Paul George is gonna have one of his better seasons. He is getting a little bit older, but I think that his jump shot has always been there, even though sometimes it isn't in the playoffs. But I think he he will be fluid in what he does, and given the opportunity to really run a team here without Kawhi this season. I think we'll get to see a lot more built for him. I'm excited to see what Mark, what Morris is going to be able to do too. Cause I mean, before he went to the Clippers, when he was kind of the, the main guy with the Knicks, he was up above 20 a game. He's got another shot to be one of the main contributors on offense. I think he can continue to be one of the better scorers on, at every level. And there's a lot of guys all over this floor who are just hard players, two way guys who are going to cause teams a lot of problems. Reggie Jackson is going to be a bucket off the bench. Mm-hmm. Nick Batum is going to help them win small ball games going to have justice winslow who will help them push in transition and eh. even some of these young guys who are playing well i'm excited to see Keon johnson bj boston is catching bodies in the summer in the preseason and unfortunately jason preston seems like he might be out for a little while get well soon to the young fella but i think this is a team that's definitely going to be an exciting team to watch i obviously don't think they're going to win that many games i have them penciled in as the eighth seed but they're someone that it's going to be a tough matchup no matter what in Clipperland, and they're a team that in the playoffs I'm not going to want to see, especially if Serge Ibaka comes back and could do anything for them. He's going to provide them another movable piece around that big man position. This is going to be a, another good season for the Clippers. It's just how much are they going to be able to do when it gets to the playoffs? We're going to wait and see, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the second round. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the second round either, but there's just too many teams that I'm looking at. I'm like, they can make yeah. the second round. Literally. Um, shout out to Ty Lue, underratedly good coach, putting that out yep. there. Last team in this tier, the Portland Trailblazers. Um, mm-hmm. I have them as my nine seed. I, I don't yeah. really know where to start. It's it's going to be a suspenseful season for these Trailblazers. Look, I like the start. I like their starters, and I like mm-hmm. Larry Nance Jr. as a 
uh, on the bench, even though I like the Derek Jones Jr. Larry Nance is still a huge, huge contrib is still a huge upgrade. Yeah. I just think this team still has the same big issues as last year. Mm -hmm. They were the sixth seed last year after a very tumultuous season. Mm. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough to see how, um, how first year coach um, Chauncey Billups handles these new, uh, handles these uh, old issues with the new roster. I think he could lean into the Nance Covington lineups. I think that that could win them a lot of games. If we're seeing a lot of Nurkic and Zeller, and I don't think this team has a huge ceiling. I also think both those guys are very injury prone and yeah. that's your entire big center rotation. <laughs> so if you're planning on playing with a big center all the time, that might not go so well. This team also just got embarrassed by the Nuggets in the playoffs. There's all these questions, questions with Dame. Mm -mm. I am not... I, I, I have this team as the nine seed, but I do think they have the potential to move up all the way to three. But I think this is going to be a lot similar to the Nate McMillan firing. I think Terry Stotts was a really, really good offensive coach. Mm. Uh, underratedly so. I think he's now that he's gone, I don't... I think that we might see another... Um, situation where the new head coach doesn't fit as well. The new head coach isn't pushing this team to the same level. Mm. And that's not to say I think Billups is going to be a bad coach. I think he's going to be a really good coach from what I've heard, but it's a lot of risk to take with a first year head coach with such a, so much suspense with this Damian Lillard possible trade situation going on. Yeah. I mean, I, I won't come out here and say there aren't question marks for this trailblazers team. Cause there definitely are. I penciled them in at the seventh seed just because I do believe in Damian Lillard's ability to just win games no matter what. I also, I'm not too upset with the construction of their roster. I mean, obviously they have some issues that need to be addressed, but Larry Nance Jr. I think is a major addition. And Simon seems like he'll finally be able to have full reign of that bench unit. So I think that'll be a great pickup for them. Nas Little can hopefully get some actual playing time and continue to show why he belongs in the NBA or hopefully will prove that point. And then you have some guys lower down here who I think can, can take some steps and provide some good play for you. <clears throat> I do think that there are some problems that are going to need to be addressed. And this is a team that is going to be surrounded by media controversy and potential trade rumors all season long, which isn't usually great, especially for a first year head coach, but I'm a, a huge fan of Chauncey Billups. I think he is, if I, I don't know much about him as a coach, obviously it's his first head coaching job, but I think he's a great, was a great player, has a great basketball mind and a great grit. So I think he'll bring a lot of that to this team and I'm excited to see what they could do, but I don't think that they're making it out of the first round of the playoffs again this year. Yeah. They're the only team in this top nine that I I'm not super confident will make it. That I don't have they're the team in the nine that I have the least confidence making it to the second round, which is why I defaulted them to the ninth seed. Fair. You want to do a quick, we're going to quickly recap our top nine. One through nine. You want to give your, your 10 seed right at the end, just so we, we spruce it up with who's our last team to make the play in. Ah, sure. I'll give my 10 seed right after. And then right, you can tell go. me if it's the same. I was going to let you do it, but I'll go first. You, yeah, I mean, I can do mine. I don't mind. Sure. I know can. you won't have the same as mine. That's for sure. Yeah. You All right. I got mind. Nuggets at one, Suns at two, Lakers three, Warriors four, Jazz five, Grizzlies six, Blazers seven, Clippers eight, Mavs nine. And the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to be the last team to make the play-in game at the 10th seed. I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> I knew it. I actually think I have it in my notes. I might have even written, I might have even uh, written it down. Uh, I'm not sure I did, but I have 
at one Utah, two the Nuggets, mm-hmm. three the Lakers, four the Phoenix Suns, five the Mavericks, six the Grizzlies, seven the Warriors, eight the Clippers, and nine the Blazers. And at ten, I have the Sacramento Kings. Ooh, playoff drought finally over, maybe? I don't count making the play-in as a playoff drought. No, but it's uh, a chance to make the playoffs. <laughs> no. No, I don't have them ending that playoff drought. <laughs> I'm at the Sacramento Kings as my 10 seed because mm-hmm. I have more questions with Minnesota mm. than I do with Sacramento. Okay. The Kings have Fox and Halliburton with Mitchell off the bench. I like their guard rotation. I like Heald as an elite floor spacer. I like Barnes as a power wing next to Rashawn Holmes. A starting mm-hmm. five of Fox, Halliburton, Heald, Barnes, and Holmes is really good. It had a really good net rating last season. My mm. only issue is the only bench players of the player of theirs that I really like is uh, their rookie Davion Mitchell. Which, you got um, to do the Brampton man like that. Tristan Thompson kind of come off the bench and do a job. Nope. I thought he was going to get bought out. Um, He's a buyout candidate. Yeah. Uh, I don't expect them. I do not expect them to finally play Marvin Bagley at the five, which I think they just <laughs> need to do. Uh, I'm really worried that Luke Walton is going to start Bagley next to Holmes, which he really should not do. <laughs> ultimately this will all be up to Luke Walton the coach in my opinion if he doesn't get the 10 seed I'm not sure that he keeps his job mm. so I'm going to bet on them getting the 10 seed because I think that he's going to be able to pull this off but I also uh, don't see this team getting better than the 10 seed I'll say it unless a team truly falls apart I think this team's ceiling is the 10 seed whereas yeah. with Minnesota unless you want to talk about Sacramento really fast I mean I'll quickly go over Sacramento I mean I do. I don't expect Luke Walton to finish the season, to be honest with you. And if he does, it is because they finish as a 10 seed. I personally, like, I'm not calling for the Mads job. I just don't think he's done a very good job with this roster. And yes, De'Aaron Fox can have a superstar season for them. They have some pieces I like. But ultimately, I think this Minnesota Timberwolves team has just more talent and more skill to continue to be better. And if they keep the current roster that they have, as in don't trade away Patrick Beverly and Torian Prince, I think that they are the best position team to make the 10th seed, given that they have the superstar talent of Carl Anthony Towns, potential superstar in Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell now with the year under his belt with this squad. And then if Malik Beasley is, is out of legal trouble this year, you have some more depth with, with TP and Pat Beverly. And then young players who I like and Jared Vanderbilt, Jaden McDaniels, Nas Reed, even Jalen Noel. Like these are guys up and down the roster, I think could play well this season. And, Ultimately, I hope Minnesota is making the the play and as a 10 seed this year. I'm just really scared of the Minnesota chaotic energy. Yeah. They dumped their GM a week before training camp. They dumped their coach midseason and replaced him without running any interviews. Cat, D'Lo, and Beasley almost a ton of time last season. They have no clear starting power forward. Anthony Edwards doesn't have a clear fit next to D'Angelo Russell or Malik Beasley in a starting five. They just added Patrick Beverly, the player embodiment of chaotic energy. There's rumors of Carl Anthony Towns wanting out. It's just too many pitfalls on this team. I think that with the roster as it is, they should win the 10 seed. I had them as it, as it until I sat there and just thought about it. And I was like, oh my God, what if this falls apart? Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a real chance this team takes the 10 seed. But right now I've got them at the 11 just because I don't see. I think something's going to go wrong for this team as per Minnesota tradition. Given that neither of us have put this team in our top 10, can we talk about how criminally or how upset and how many tears or how many hours of crying Adam Silver will be doing if Zion Williamson is not in the playoffs this year? 
Can we just pump the brakes on the Zion train at this point? If he I doesn't mean... make the playoffs, if he doesn't make the playoffs, I'm pumping the brakes. If he doesn't make the play-in, I'm getting <laughs> off the train. I'm getting off the train. I'm done. I'm off Zion Williamson's wild ride. Lamelo Ball in one season has accomplished has accomplished more than Zion Williamson has. Yeah, he made the play. Also, probably played more games. <laughs> probably hit more threes. Um, by a oh, lot. Definitely. I remember when Zion hit four threes and everyone freaked out. It's awesome. Look, Zion's supposed to be this elite dual forward. He's got a talented roster around him. He needs to make the playoffs, not the mm-hmm. play in the playoffs. I don't mm-hmm. think they do that. And I definitely, I don't even see them making the play-ins. I think that there was a lot of good you get by, uh, by getting Eric Bledsoe out. And I think they counteracted all that by losing Alonzo Ball for essentially nothing. I don't like the Zion, I don't like the Zion Valanciunas offensive fit. I don't think that's a good way to win games with them next to each other. It's like, okay, we already have the worst defensive super, superstar level player in the league in Zion. I don't think Zion's a superstar. I think he's an all-star. Um, or for an, until he plays defense, he's not a superstar. I'm going to be honest. But you got the worst defensive all-star in the league in Zion, and you put him with one of the worst help defenders in Jonas Valanciunas. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, yeah, he's going to provide spacing. I, he doesn't. No one's scared of Jonas Valanciunas shooting threes. I'm not, I'm not going to read too much into how big Zion looked in training camp pictures, but he also looked big. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Ingram is another guy who should be having the ball in his hands a lot, and he's playing off ball for Zion, and they're just they're not winning games. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to play Zion a different way. Maybe it's time to get a better roster around Zion. Maybe it's time to go all in and somehow. I, I just don't see this team doing better than the ten seed. I think that they could do the ten seed. I think there'll be some very favorable refing to get them to the ten seed. I'm kidding. That's a joke. But I don't. I don't. I don't know that this team is going to make the playoffs, and I think that's really, I guess, bad for this Zion Williamson train. And I'm not on it. Any, I'm. I'm about to get off it. This is my last. Uh, <laughs> This is my last chance. If I hear him as all NBA again after not making the playoffs this year, I'm gonna freak out. I'm gonna flip I'm gonna flip a biscuit. I'm gonna scream. I better not see him on any all NBA ballots unless he's in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean the sad part about this team is they they have some young talent that I like. They've got other guys who are they could perform and contribute well, but it, it is all about the fit and around a guy like Zion Williamson, that is so important. Unless he's literally running the point guard for them this year, I, I don't know what they're gonna do because I, I'm very confused as to how they get out there. Like, Thomas Sadoransky is not a guard you want next to Zion Williamson. Devontae Graham, I guess, because he can space the floor, obviously, and shoot and create, but doesn't really play a lick of defense, which isn't going to help you when your bigs don't play defense either, and Brandon Ingram isn't playing much defense. So, yeah, there is a lot of questions on this team. Um, excited to see what Nikhil Alexander-Walker could potentially do. I think yeah, he could be a big piece. He sounds like he's the starter this year. Yeah, I think Trey Murphy the third too could it be a good three and D piece for them in his rookie season. He could come out and and show a lot of people a lot of things. But ultimately, like there's so many things just wrong with this team right now that uh, it is going to be tough for this New Orleans Pelicans team. I think to to get to that ten seed, they have the talent to absolutely. They have enough talent to probably make the playoffs, but there is absolutely no way that they are built to do that, and I don't expect them to at all. Although I, I think I have him penciled in as 11. Yeah, I got them out of the 11 seed. You're lower on Sacramento than I am. Yeah, I had them at 12 just because I thought, hey, maybe Zion and Brad Ingram will do something this year. So you heard San Antonio's supposed to be a play a playing competitor, and people are <laughs> – have you listened to this narrative that's going around? Yeah. There's a big narrative Pop- going around that San Antonio should be is, – is trying to make a playoff push, a play-in push, 
mm-hmm. and people are buying it. They think that their defense is going to be so good that the San Antonio team will make the plans. I don't see how that happens. <laughs> I don't think this team, I, I think that if you were to rank best two man groups, just in the West, they don't have one of the 15 best two man groups. Yeah, if you want to go by just duos, every team gets to put in their best duo. I still don't know that they have a best 12. Mm-mm. Probably not even, I mean, they're probably competing with, I guess. No, they, they might be the 50. They might be the worst duo, the best, the worst top two players in the West. Mm-hmm. Like, would you take yeah. Christian Wood and Jalen Green, Shea Gilgis, Alexander and Lou Dor? Absolutely. I would, I would almost take Kevin Porter Jr. And Jalen Green at this point. <laughs> Over like Deontay Murray. And I guess Derek White or Jakob Pertle. Yeah, like who is the two on this team? Who is their second star behind DeJounte Murray, who's not really a star? And how many teams would have DeJounte Murray as part of their top two best players? Look, I like DeJounte Murray. Yep. But, and and I, people have been saying you should never sleep on Pop. And they, but we've been saying that since the Kawhi trade. And I've yeah. slept on Pop since then, and I have not looked that stupid. <laughs> I've looked absolutely fine sleeping on the Spurs ever since Kawhi left. I have not looked like a fool. Look, this Spurs team will have a good defense because that's how Pop does. He locks in a great defense. Pirtle was one of those guys that had an insane defensive rating. Mm-hmm. I don't see where or how this team creates enough offense to stay Literally. in a game against some of the Giants of the West without bringing in a midseason trade or an insane leap from one of their players. And that's not something that people have been predicting I want to put out there. People are mm-hmm. just, I don't know. I yeah, got the like- Spurs as my 13th seed, and that's only because I actually think they'll try to win games Whereas the bottom two teams, I'm not sure that they will. Yeah, I mean, Spurs, honestly, I have them penciled in at 14. And like you said, I think DeJounte Murray is a stud. I think he's going to be very good in this league. I don't think this team is at all built around for him to be successful. He's got, I guess, shooters, but guys who are all catch and shoot. There's almost no shot creation on this entire roster. And... um this isn't the NBA where you can try to just slow down teams with your defense and win 85 to 76, especially not in the Western conference anymore. Like sure. Their defense might be good. They might hold teams under a hundred, but I don't see the Spurs team scoring over 90 a game for the most part. And that is not going to win you many games in this NBA. No. All right. Now, as I alluded to, these last two teams will likely won't be racking up wins. Yeah. And what Chaz, you've got, I'm assuming you have OKC at 13. Uh, no, I got Rockets at 13. OKC at 15. Okay, let's like do the Rockets, Rockets first. Yogis. You get to go be positive about the Rockets. You go first. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a big fan of the Rockets' young pieces. I also don't think that they will be trying to win a lot of games, yes. But Steven Silas doesn't seem like a coach who's going to coach them to lose. And just the talent that they have accumulated on this roster, I think is going to be just an exciting product to watch. And they're going to end up winning more games than other teams will expect. I think people are going to take nights off when they come play the Rockets. I think they're going to think that this is just, okay, we're playing a bunch of young guys. It is going to be whatever we want to do. And ultimately, this is based on how many guys that they trade away this season, how many of their vets. Like if Daniel Dice is on this team until the end of the season, I'm perfectly confident with them being a 13 seed. If he's gone by January, yes, they probably end up as a 14-15 this year. But I I love Jalen Green. I think Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be great. Jay Sean Tate, Kenyon Martin. Like, there's just so many guys up and down this roster I think will be good this year and will just provide an exciting up and down three-point shooting game that is just going to cause teams lots of problems. Do I think they're stopping anybody? No, I don't. But I think that they're going to try to score 150 points a game. And if they hit 130, 
you only got to hold a team to 129. So I think they can do that a few more times and the Spurs are going to be able to score 120. And that's why I put them over the Spurs. <laughs> I, I think that with Houston, I think it will just come down to how long they're holding on to these vets and how many minutes they're giving these vets. Like, yeah. Are they going to be all in on the youth movement? How long is that going to take? How many games of Christian Wood are they going to get? Are they going to keep Christian Wood? I'm, I'm excited to see what this Rockets team can do. I think they'll be one of the most fun teams to watch in this league. Jalen mm-hmm. Green and Kevin Porter Jr. might be a uh, might be a backcourt that loses. A, it's probably going to be a backcourt that loses a lot of games to start the season while they figure out how to you know one of them to become the one guard. Yeah. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. says he wants to average ten assists a game, and I'd love to see it. I'm all aboard the Kevin Porter Jr. hype train. Mm-hmm. Go KPJ. The vets aren't so amazing that they're going to win a ton of games, but I wouldn't be shocked if they win enough games to actually go up to the 13 seed. I had that as their ceiling, but I have them at the 15. And at the 14, I have the OKC Thunder, and I feel like I'm sleeping on them. (laughs) I think that this team is going to be really bad, but Lou Dort and Shea Gilgis-Alexander is just a really good starting backcourt. Yeah. Like, at this point, like, let's... At this point, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is amazing. Lou Dort is well above average player. Mm -hmm. We know that. Poku took a big step after the G League bubble, and imagine him getting a full training camp will help him a lot. I've liked what I've seen from Josh Giddy in preseason. He's had some crazy passes. That's mm-hmm. been fun. I try not to take anything away from preseason. Yeah. I don't love the depth. I really actually just don't even like the depth. I don't think they're going to prioritize wins. But in Shea Gilgis Alexander's contract, he he got an elevator clause, which means <laughs> if he makes all NBA this season, his contract increases by about $30 million. I don't think he's going to be okay not playing games or losing on purpose. <laughs> Now, I don't think he alone can lead this team to the play-ins or the playoffs, but I wouldn't be shocked if you see him play 82 games this season. Mm-hmm. And 82 games of Shea Gilgis alexander as I'm saying this out loud, I almost think that they'll win more than the Spurs. Depending how the rest of the roster steps up, I could see them winning, getting all the way up to that 10 seed. But for now, waiting for those roster guys to step up, I think that this is my 14 seed. I don't think that Shea's going to let them lose enough to be the 15 seed, but hey, maybe I'm reading too much into the elevator clause. Maybe they, uh, maybe they do just go out and lose a lot of law basketball games this season. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, this is a uh, a roster that is not constructed to win right now. Their highest paid player is making 9.72 million dollars, and um, that is never going to win you a lot of games in the NBA at this point. But I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch. And honestly, that's all you can hope for from these lower tier lottery, lottery destined teams is that they have an exciting product to put out there. Obviously, Shea and Lou are a monster front backcourt. I think JRE has a chance to step in here and really put himself alongside like Darius Baisley as Aerobi, Poku as a, a bigger, bigger wing for them. A little more size and strength to him, a little more defensive ability to him. But uh, ultimately, I do have them pencil it as my 15 seed just because I don't think that they're going to try to win that many basketball games. And yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I can't hate, I can't hate, hate on that too much. I'm with you. Um, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, do we, we, we really, we ran through our top tens already. Yeah. Do we want, I'm it's not going to do top 15. I'm just going to close it's this ball out. Talk, baby. Um, ball talk. This has been the ball it's talk ball podcast. Talk, Thank you for tuning in. Talk. Uh, if you're it's watching this talk, YouTube or podcast platform, please like, subscribe, rate, talk, review. Baby, Be sure to follow us on baby, Instagram at ball talk official. Any way you can support us is means the world to us. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time on Ball Talk.